This is CC Cakes reporting. I'm here on Earthspace Doc covering the recent influx of tribbles in the game. They're in the replicators, Club 47 is covered in them, and each time a new ship docks, more spill out into the cargo bay. The source of the problem is unknown. No one seems to have any idea what is causing this epidemic. I'm here with Airborne, a strategic operations officer for Starfleet. When did you start noticing this? Well, a little while after the anniversary event started, and I noticed a few more than normal. Then, after the plasma doping was nerfed, I started seeing more and more. Maybe people started getting bummed because their DPS isn't what it used to be, and they got a bunch of triple pets to make up for it. Maybe the plasma consoles were repelling them. I don't know. Not sure. But I'll tell you one thing. Everybody's DPS started going up again after all these triples started showing up. At least for the feds. And as we all know, the Klingons can't stand the things. The Klingons? I gotta go. The poor Klingons. How must they be coping with this? I was able to visit Kronos, and I sat down with David, a local Klingon warrior, to get his perspective on the current events. Those Bakrat triple things? They're really getting out of hand. Even at battle, they are used against us. I think they are using them against us on purpose. The Federation has no honor. We had to cut that interview short due to the Klingon profanity. But this isn't making any sense. Tribbles? Klingons? DPS increase? Is there really a connection? I looked at the official DPS combat log reader and confirmed the DPS increase was right around the time all this started. But why? What's the connection? I decided to visit the DPS League Monastery on Pajem to find out. I was allowed inside briefly, but I was told to stay out of the way. The air smelled of lockbox ships and epic weapons with a hint of crit D times three and cherry wood. I was greeted by Ryan STO and Porch Song. So Ryan, I was thinking about that new exploit we were gonna try out. Ooh, who let this scrub in here? Who, Cookie? Arch, you have to remember we are here to help the new players. Um, yeah, but Ryan, some players are just aren't worth helping. Now, Porch, I think you have it wrong here. She is not actually a scrub. I read a book about the matter, and I'm decently sure that she is only a new player. She's not an actual scrub. Have you actually flown with her? Not lately. Anyway, who even let her in here? Oh, that was probably the stupid Canadian again. You mean that idiot sarcasm detector? Ah, I have to have a talk with him. Wait, who's that coming up? Guten Tag, Leute. Hey, it's Clown Boy! Alright, I'm out of here. I'm gonna go talk to Sarcasm and give him peace of my mind. This is getting ridiculous. He'll let anybody in this room. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Cookie. Um, hey, Marcos. Get over here for a second. Hey, Sarcasm. Yeah, they're, they're talking in the secret language of the DPS League right now, so let's not disturb them. Okay. Um, and try to keep quiet porches angry at me again for some reason. Yeah, I think I know why. Oh, um, so what was it that you wanted to ask me? I want to know about the, what's going on with these triples. This can't be a coincidence. Well, how did you find out about the triples? Well, um, never mind. Don't, don't answer that. I think I know. Um, let me explain it. Um, we needed uh, a little bit of an edge after all the recent nerfs, and um, we kind of discovered that 
Attaching troubles to hangar pets increased our DPS by about 17 times. We call this triple stacking. Although some people call it triple doping, I think that's kind of silly. Um, so yeah, it, it really worked out. It increased our DPS and word actually managed to get out and more people started using it. Although there were some problems. Well, yeah, they kept on breeding and replicating like triples do when they started clogging up the works and mucking everything up. Caused some stuttering, some rubber banding, a little bit of lag, and some misfiring of abilities, that sort of thing. Did you just say lag? Well, yes. Wait, wait a minute. So the tribbles are causing the lag? Uh, so because you guys are putting tribbles on your ships, we have lag? I guess so. So you mean to tell me that all this is the DPS League's fault? Well, I, I wouldn't put it... You guys are responsible for the lag in the game? Now, take it easy, Cookie. You shouldn't actually uh, blame us exactly. You know what? You shouldn't really tell anyone about this. This this could be a problem if people found out. Oh, I'm going to tell everyone about well, this. Um, you know, we have about a stockpile of 10,000 nerve tonics here in the monastery. <gasps> If you promise not to say anything about it, you could have it all. Deal. Great. Wait, why do you have so many nerve tonics? Well, we were doing some exploit testing to see if nerve tonics actually increase DPS. Does it work? Well... This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Episode 215 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Friday, March 27th, 2015, and available for download or streaming Wednesday, April 1st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Tony. I'm Lennon. And I'm Jeff. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, this week we trek out HD 904790B, and we discuss why it sucks to live here on Earth. In Star Trek Online news, I think we... Hang on. Star Trek Online News. Uh, Tony, Tony. Star Trek Online News. Yes. All right, That's then. That's what it says. <clears throat> right there. Go. In Star Trek Online News, well, I guess we're talking about Star Trek Online, I think. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Uh, according to this, things like advanced difficulty queue changes, pilot bridge offices, Delta recruitment, and the release notes. 
Later, we're joined by a very special guest to help answer some Star Trek Online-related questions. And finally, before we wrap up the show, we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages about Star Trek Online. I I remember this game. The Thursday Night Live recordings of our episodes are so much more fun when you join us in the chat room. So be part of the... Chat room. What? That's a chat room, huh? That's a neat thing. Maybe we should try one of those. Yeah, maybe. So be part of the production around 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's about 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Thursday nights only at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live. We want to take a moment and thank each and every one of you for voting for Priority One Podcast in the Best Produced and Best Gaming categories in the 10th Annual People's Choice Podcast Awards. That's... Wow, did you know they were up for that? No. That's so awesome. That's really cool. That is awesome. That's fantastic. Not only did you nominate us, but you voted for us each and every day. Well, us being them, being us. You even tolerated all our tweets, Facebook posts, in-game chat blasts, smoke signals, telepathic communication, on and on and on. Well, that wasn't our fault, but I hear, like, Cookie and Elijah did a lot of that. Anyway, on behalf of the entire team at Priority One Podcast and Priority One Productions, thank you so much. I think there's been a massive injustice. I mean, Guard Frequency wasn't nominated. Uh, We're clearly the superior show. It's just not fair. I mean, they stole our show format. Well, part of it. We stole most of their show format first. Nobody knows. We can fix that in post. Yes. The announcement of the winners of this year's podcast awards will be on Tuesday, April 14th at 6.30pm Pacific Time and can be watched live on podcastawards.com. We're all hoping to view it together on TeamSpeak, so come and join us that night. Speaking of hanging with Priority One Team, reach out to us throughout the week. Follow us on facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter via at STO Priority One. And if you're in-game, catch the cast, crew, and fleet mates by joining the Priority One chat. To do that, just type in forward slash channel underscore join priority one inside the game chat box. And now let's check out a depressing deep space discovery. Jim, what place? I don't know. Then let's check it out. It was bound to happen eventually. Scientists probing the cosmos with our very best instruments have located a planet currently designated HD 904790B that kicks Earth's ass in every possible way. To quote NASA lead researcher Lisa Shapiro, this is a thrilling and scientifically vital discovery that has substantially furthered our understanding of how much Earth truly sucks. Scientists working with Dr. Shapiro began with basic comparisons such as size, Earth is, of course, slightly smaller, to more precise differences like the low salinity of its oceans. In addition, the planet has an extensive ring system and dozens of colorful and reflective moons. After further study, it looks like even the weather is better there. The low angle axial tilt and nearly circular orbit gives a HD 904790B a nearly constant surface temperature of 75 degrees Fahrenheit and an average wind speed of 5 miles an hour. Astronomer Samantha Wilhelm stated the world's discovery had taken a toll on her team's morale, potentially endangering future work in exoplanet charting. Finding such a perfect planet after only a few years of exoplanet research has significantly increased the chances of finding a giant planet even better than HD 904790b. Researchers have instead returned to studying planets that they know are inferior to our own. Quote, I even tried observing Neptune for a while in hopes that the gaseous sack of crap might make me feel better about being stuck on Earth. But it didn't work. I can't get HD 904790B out of my head. It's ruined the Earth for me forever. Priority One Productions astronomy consultant and visualization scientist Dr. Robert Hurt attempted to convey just how inferior our planet is to this new discovery. 
I tried to take the raw data and turn HD 904790B into an accessible but accurate vision of the planet for the public to see, but every time I started, I teared up at the sheer beauty of that heavenly sphere, and I wept openly when I compared that Eden-like planet to the third-class dirtball I live on. Then I realized that even our fastest probes would take over 300,000 years to reach there, well, when I regained consciousness, I was curled up and sobbing in my hallway closet. Well, I'm positively suicidal now. No kidding. I mean, you know, you'd think that this planet, given rise to the evolution of our species, would be the perfect habitat for us. But oh no, 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 there's an even better habitat for us that we can't even get to. I mean, I don't even really know how hot 75 degrees is, but it sounds like the perfect temperature. If I was going to put a it's number 20... on something... 22. 22 Celsius oh, about. That's, I, that's great. I, I'm sorry, but five mile, five mile an hour winds does, just doesn't cut it for me. I, I insist on, on 16 mile an hour winds. Well, I think what happens, you know, it's, it's, got the, it's got that low axial tilt, so that five miles is an average. So I bet you could find speedier winds near the equator, like where you'd want to go sailing, because it's got those low salinity oceans, you know. So you could go sailing just about any time, any place you wanted to. And depending on how fast you wanted to sail, we'll just pick a latitude. Because the wind speed should be nearly constant with its low axial rotation. So, you know, you want to sail? Great, fine. You want to play tennis or, or baseball or football? We'll go pick the less windy northern polar regions. If you want to go sailing or something like that, you know, go farther south. So, so I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's a perfect planet for anybody, anywhere, anytime, for anything they wanted to do. And we're stuck here, you know, light years away. It's just, it's really depressing. It's just really depressing. I have managed to find an article on the BBC that kind of like cross-references this. Apparently, they don't even have spiders on this planet. <sighs> See? It's just, it's just, it's, there's no justice. There's just no justice. Have you discovered something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? A new advancement in science or tech that you would like us to cover? Well, then send it over to us via incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. There is some stow news that needs to be covered here. So no more shenanigans. None of this April Fool's crap going on here. Shows swapping and hosts talking like each other. At least not for right now. Let's get serious and cover some some news from Star Trek Online this week. Jace, why don't you talk to us a little bit about pilot bridge officers? I thought you'd never ask. So, like with previous specializations, you will soon be able to train your bridge officers under the updated BOF system to be pilot hybrid specialists. Pilot, however, has no ground abilities being a space-only spec, the first to focus on just one side of the game. Perhaps we'll see Commando in the future? This brings us a nice round dozen new officer abilities that will presumably be usable on upcoming ships with pilot seating. I'm personally betting on one for the summer event on Risa, given the theme of those ships thus far. Personally, I'm especially interested in trying out reroute reserves to weapons, which speeds up weapons firing cycles and shifts your weapon power energy drain to engine power drain instead, much like the Defiant quad cannons do and lock trajectory, which allows you to maintain your direction of travel while turning your ship to continue firing even with small arc weapons. Think the type of maneuvers regularly seen performed by Vipers on Battlestar Galactica, if anybody out there actually ever watched that show, or Star Furies on Babylon 5. 
So what did you guys think? Did any of the new pilot boff abilities catch your eye? You know, I'm interested in fly her apart. I mean, there's no way that that's going to be any good on escorts. I mean, gradually increases speed over time at the cost of hull and shields. I mean, I know that as an escort, you want to be nimble, but I mean, in some cases, you're already a glass cannon. I just can't imagine that that would be useful on an escort, certainly on a big cruiser. That would be pretty hilarious, flying a big cruiser in and then leaping into ambush. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see once we get our hands on these abilities and a ship that we can equip them in. Now, there are some coming changes to how advanced difficulty will be handled in PVEQs. Cookie, why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? In a dev blog by lead content designer Charles Gray, he explains starting last Thursday, March 26th, they have begun changes to the advanced PVEQs. They have investigated and found that some of the difficulty levels needed to be tweaked. All the base rewards will eventually be the same across all difficulty levels. And belong to us. <laughs> but you will get more from the optional objectives as you increase the difficulty. And instead of these being required on advanced, they will all still be optional. So even if you don't get any of the optionals, you still won't fail the mission. You'll just get the base reward similar to what you would get on normal. It is still possible to fail the mission on all difficulty levels, but the failure conditions are different, so keep an eye out for those changes. So they started with Azure Nebula Rescue as a test, and they're gradually going to expand the changes to the rest of the PvE queues, possibly eventually to Elite queues, but for now focusing mainly on Advanced. So the main changes made to Azure Nebula Rescue is, instead of being required to rescue three ships in three minutes, you now have the option to rescue 10 points worth of ships in the first five minutes, and then a second option of, of rescuing 10 points worth of ships in four minutes, which starts about halfway through the mission. The ships are still worth the same number of points, so now you're going to want to go for the ships with the higher numbers instead of going for the ships that are easiest to kill. Each point earned for rescuing ships is worth one mark. You get five additional marks for each objective you complete on normal, and ten for each on advanced. The only way you can fail the mission is if your team as a whole does not even rescue one ship, which wouldn't happen because even one person alone can do that. The only concern I've heard some folks have with this is because which ships spawn can be random, getting enough of the point value in time can be impossible, but I don't know if that's really true. I haven't tried it myself. They said if you get like two spawns of Talis level one little warbirds, you might not have enough time to free 10 in four minutes. Yeah, I tried this a couple times. The first time, it didn't seem like it was possible to get either of the optionals. The second time, we were killing the ships off pretty fast, and we got the first optional, but not the second. But I think a lot of times people, they just group together and just go for whatever ships around that they can see. I was talking with the DPS League, and they pointed out that what they've observed is two minutes after you free a ship and you see it warp out, two minutes after that, a new ship will respawn in that place. So if you can remember that and time it right, then you don't have to waste time traveling to that location. You can just arrive there at the right time. I see. So it's random what ships spawn initially, but then there's a pattern after you start freeing them. Right. Oh, that's good. That's good intel. I'm hoping that this will bridge the gap between, you know, the players that 
um, have not been doing it because they are just afraid of pugging it. At least now, there's a chance that you can, a better chance of earning the rewards that you wanted. You know what I'm noticing a lot of is that there seems to be this chasm, right, of players that are still performing under 10k DPS, and then these players that, you know, are, are part of the DPS league. And what I'm starting to wonder is if talks of DPS leagues and DPS channels is scaring people away. When, in reality, it's really not that difficult to bring your ship up to 10k without spending any money, or maybe just a little bit, maybe a little bit of time in earning the marks or the currency that you're going to need to make the purchases of some of the, uh, the changes. But, fundamentally, it starts with your captain skills. I mean, I learned this in just a simple one-hour session with some high DPS community leaders it's all there, you know, it's it's right at that foundation. I remember during that stream, you were able to increase run over run like 25% just from a few simple tweaks and, and some tips they gave you that you just would have had no idea about. Absolutely, absolutely. I changed my captain skills, which I had a few spare skill uh, revamp tokens, and then I modified my power levels. So it's not a, a unicorn, right? Going from 7K to 10K is not going to break the bank. It's really just a matter of being a bit attentive. And we're going to actually be releasing a blog with this episode that is going to help you get to that point. It'll help you kind of understand and make a plan for a base build that will get you performing above 10K. Now, it may not be 20K. It may not be 30K. But... On average, yes, you want to be somewhere between 10 and 20k to perform in advanced queues. And so our guide, hopefully, thanks to, in collaboration with the DPS League and Matthew 4060X and Jason and, and so many others that were able to contribute to this, hopefully this guide will be able to get you just, just past that threshold, just past that 10k mark, so that you can start enjoying the game a little better. Because, yes, a lot of things change with Delta Rising with the upgrade system and going from you know level 50 to level 60 going past 10k should not be intimidating because it's not it really is not and some of it you can just improve just by piloting alone and that doesn't cost any money exactly yeah actually cookie now that you bring up piloting why don't we talk a little bit about that well we've gotten a few questions about piloting and keybinds in the past and just last week i watched one of the most in-depth and informative videos on that subject that i've ever seen now, I've seen a lot of Ryan Estio's videos, but this recent one on piloting and keybinds is exceptional. He explains in detail about what goes on during a firing cycle, how it can be interrupted by either keybinds, clicking abilities at the wrong times, or even just distributing shield strength, and how all that can significantly affect your DPS. And he is usually at the top of the DPS leaderboard, so you know that it's trustworthy advice. It's a really good video. I highly recommend it. Piloting is going to take some skill, but, you know, here's one tip right now. If you're using the Hilbert Guide keybind, stop. Stop using it. Watch Ryan's STO video number four and try to get a better handle of, you know, where your powers are on your keyboard and how you're executing them. Because I was a Hilbert Guide user. Now, I still keybind, and I still keybind to trays, but... I am still performing way better than I was just using, you know, smashing spacebar. But, you know, spacebar can be fire your weapon. And then tray 7 can be 
you know, a, a few abilities. And then tray six, you keybind another key to tray six, and that could be your, your oh crap powers. And you tap that a few times when you're about to die. And I'm still performing way better, way better than, than what I was before I was able to kind of get into a little bit more of theory flying with Star Trek Online. And a link will be in the show notes. So we have some interesting patch notes this week for Holodeck. First off, I'm going to start off with an undocumented note. The return of doping. Okay, not quite, but kind of. So for those of you who've been following the plasma doping controversy for the last several months. Yes. The Embassy Plasma consoles used to have several ways in which they were performing not as intended. They were buffing themselves. They were gaining a buff from plus beam tactical consoles. They were out of hand. People were doing like 50k worth of damage just from the plasma consoles when they were set up properly. So they got corrected, aka nerfed. But now the damage from the proc effect, where it allows any type of weapon other than plasma to do a plasma burn effect, is very, very small, like almost not noticeable. During the discussion around this, prior to it going live originally, Bordicus offered the alternative that they would just change this to be simpler, make it a plasma explosion, no more damage over time effect, which complicates things for determining what buffs affect it and which do not. However, it wouldn't be ready in time to go live with the previous nerf. However, it is here now. So the embassy consoles now will add a chance to a plasma explosion to all your weapons fire and it is glorious so if you have any of these consoles already check them out should be pretty exciting not to the ridiculous levels of the so-called plasma doping but much more beneficial especially on science ships where you can load up a few of them if you have the rooms do you think it's worth it for a ship that only has two science consoles is it even worth it to have it depends on what else you're running in there i'll probably run two out of my three science just to give it a try i was running one plus a Particle Exciter, Crafted Console, and my Regenerative Integrity Field. But I could drop both of those. It's just I like the survivability of the Samsar Console. Also, a hot topic this week in the patch notes has been changes to Surgical Strikes. First up, there was a problem where some Disruptor Cannons were not actually functioning properly, so those will benefit more from the power now than they were, which is intended. Additionally, Plasma, Phaser, and Disruptor Quad Cannons are now going to use the correct FX and icons when using this ability. They were bugged previously with surgical strikes. However, the bulk of the change is to reduce the critical hit bonuses and accuracy bonuses of ranks 2 and 3. Rank 1 is unchanged. The other two were each reduced. Rank 2 by 4%, rank 3 by 8%. Also, their damage multipliers were reduced across the board. Rank 1 by 10%, rank 2 by 16.8%, and rank 3 by 21.5%. I have not been uh, using Surgical Strikes, however, it's a power I like and I'm interested in trying out when I decide which Intel ship I want to pick up. I'm curious to see what the response in the community will be to this and how it will affect builds that utilized it previously. Is uh, Fire at Will something that you would replace with Surgical Strikes? Possibly in a single target build. It was huge in PvP, which is part of the reason it was toned down. It was just one-shotting the crap out of people in PvP. Though ironically, now the Plasma Explosions may be taking that place. We'll see. Typically, Fire at Will does more overall damage, as long as you have targets to fire at. Viral Torpedo will actually now be subject to Disable Resists and Disable Immunity. Inhibiting Secondary Deflector 
which uh, should be of interest to some science captains, the radiation damage is now affected by your particle gens ability. So if you have over-the-top particle gens, this is going to boost your radiation damage now. Pretty exciting. And in a bug that I heard a lot about, Ferengi missile launchers will no longer fire photon torpedoes. Also, they'll now be able to be used with transport warheads, so you can transport a Ferengi missile onto your opponent's bridge using intel powers. Pretty exciting. Finally, and welcome news to some, the enhanced maneuvering and engineering systems items that have been appearing should disappear from your inventory and overflow bags within about two minutes of logging in after this patch, if you haven't already. Some folks got absolutely spammed with these. I never got any, but I definitely heard people just having their entire inventory overflowing with these weird items that were just a bug. Well, Admirals, if you patch the game on March 26th, then you have the opportunity of playing the new featured episode, Uneasy Allies. Now, over the last several weeks, we've had two role-play-style story blogs giving us a bit of a backstory, or rather filling in the gaps of what happened when we last left off a few months ago. During that time, Sila has been interrogated during the Molrihan Center and escaped now, these were on the blog, so hopefully I didn't spoil it for too many people. This featured episode picks up where that story leaves off, and you engage with Sila and go on a wild mission with her into Iconian space. So we won't go too far into spoiler territory regarding the featured episode because, of course, we want you to play it. Now, this featured episode, like the last, will have calendar rewards, so, for instance, this week, the first week of playing it, you will be able to get your hands on a Romulan Imperial Navy combat armor, which it seems pretty beefy, with plus 87.2 all-energy damage resistance, 64 kinetic damage resistance. Next week, you'll be able to get yourself the shield, and the following week, you'll be able to pick yourself up a kit. Now, this ground set will have some interesting bonuses, so be sure to check that out. Now, interestingly enough, this mission is also granting an enhanced universal tech upgrade with plus 30,000 technology points, no dilithium cost, but also no quality improvement chance. So this is not unlike the Omega tech upgrades. How much uh, tech points do the Omega tech upgrades give? 25,600. Now, it doesn't look like you'll be able to get your hands on this once every week, though. I think this is just a one-time... It's once a week, but per account, not per character. Oh, bound to account. Mm. So you can get three during this featured episode series. They're still great. They're no dilithium cost and plus 30,000. That's really not bad for just replaying the mission once every week for the next three weeks. Uh, on top of that, you'll get yourself a nice little ground set for you to use. Now, there was some pretty buggy experiences the first day, and they immediately jumped in on a patch for that. So hopefully that remedied it and you've been able to complete the mission. Have you guys played it? What have, what have your thoughts been of it? Oh, I really enjoyed it. Had some great visuals. I didn't have any problem with the first bug that people ran into where they died in a certain spot, but I was forewarned and just was really cautious in that area. But I did run into the second one where the uh, NPC doesn't appear. and But I just used a workaround and continued the mission. But I'll look forward to replaying it because I missed some dialogue as a result of that. Yeah, I died in the spot. <laughs> you didn't get a chance to replay it, Cookie? Nope. I'm going to try not to give some spoilers, but there were two moments where I was like, haha, homage. Uh, the first one is just before you go into a room and there's like weird, there's this weird obstacle you have to go through. And Sila makes the makes the comment from Galaxy Quest, which is, who would even design a room like this? 
<laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> I forgot about that. And then it's the second one is towards the end, and it is ripped straight out of Matrix Revolutions. Ripped straight out of Matrix Revolutions, where this this thing comes up from over the ledge, and it talks to you, and you're like, oh. And it's straight from Revolution, so... Oh, really? I totally took that as a Lord of the Rings thing. Re- oh, no. Oh, man, no, no. Why? What part in Lord of the Rings? Are you talking about I See You? Yes, yes. So, like, the Aya Sauron? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, I could see that. I could see... It's just the way it raised up over the edge yeah, like that. I could see that. That it was the Deus Ex Machina from Revolutions. It just reminded me so much of it. I will say this, man. I, I felt it, was, it got a little wordy sometimes. Oh, yeah? <laughs> this is definitely a story mission. Tony would love it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't super action-heavy or anything. Just some simple ground combat and a brief space battle, right? That's the bad thing about um, getting stopped by the bug, because I kept hearing all these spoilers after. Yeah. Normally, I would have played it before, and it would not have bothered me, but... Darn. That's an unfortunate side effect of a day one bug like that, because it's hard to avoid the spoilers, and if you... If you're normally someone that jumps right in and tries to complete it. I mean, I went ahead even knowing that I was probably going to miss some of the dialogue just so I would get most of it. Now, immediately with bugs like that that keep players from finishing a mission, the forums got hot to express their discontent with the success of the mission, but uh, some of the developers went onto the forums and tried to address it. Didn't they, Cookie? Well, yes, they did. Taco Fangs commented, I don't know the specifics of this bug nor this mission in general, but we do have a QA team and they do run through new missions many times, but there are definitely bugs that only show up once it goes to holodeck. And then Jesse Heinig replied, You're on point on that one, Taco. When I dug into it, it turned out to be something that would generally show up live in play but never show up here in the office. Well, they seem to have patched it, and things seem to be going a bit more smoothly, so we encourage you to jump in the game, jump on Holodeck, and check out the new featured episode, Uneasy Allies. Again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from Perfect World and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs this week, here's the latest comments pulled from the forums, DevTracker, and the Twitterverse. Thomas Maroney, a.k.a. Thomas the Cryptic Cat, tweeted, I hate to be a tease, but I finished a special Star Trek Online ship project today that I think everyone is going to enjoy. Do you think that's the boner prize? It must be. It no, must be. he confirmed that it's not. Ah, what? It's not? Another one. Oh my God. When are we going to see this boner prize? He replied on Reddit, actually, that uh, that had already been in the bag, ready to go for a while, and this is something else. Meanwhile, Salami Inferno tweeted a picture of Nate working on a phaser texture for some cool ambient battles. I can't tell what I'm looking at in the screen on the left. Is it just rows of blobs? But he's watching DS9 on the screen on the right, so maybe it has something to do with that. Well, Admirals, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, there is a blog regarding the Delta recruitment event coming up. We're beginning to see some more detailed information regarding the event designed to entice new returning and existing players to start a new character in Star Trek Online. Although the details of what the rewards will be has not yet really been outlined specifically, how these rewards will unlock for the entire account, all your tunes, has been discussed in this recent blog. According to the blog, as Delta recruits complete goals presented to them in the new Recruit UI, you will earn rewards, many of which are account-bound. Additionally, Delta recruits will unlock rewards that can be claimed by other characters on the account by taking your non-Delta recruit, so let's say your current main, 
to your faction's temporal agent. This NPC will have a store listing all of the account level rewards that your alternate characters can claim. Some of these rewards include marks, equipment, consoles, R&D mats. So, although I'm sure there will be some rewards that will be character bound to the Delta Recruit, some of the more valuable rewards seem to already be planned for account-wide access. Now, be mindful, the blog does state each of your characters can claim the account level reward only once from the Temporal Agent. So that makes sense, right? They don't want to allow everybody to keep going back and cashing in on marks or equipment or consoles. I'm intrigued about how this storyline is shaping up with the fact that we're using Temporal Agents given a certain fact that we learned in the new episode, which I will not mention yet. Very true. I did not put two and two together that way. Fascinating. Well, to talk more about the upcoming Delta recruitment event and general Star Trek Online discussion, is Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization, Sisko Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. Well, the seasons come and go, the tides change, but one thing is as constant as the North Star. We're joined by Star Trek Online lead designer Al, Captain Gecko Rivera. Thanks for joining us, Al, despite your terrible virus. Uh, thank you. Yes, it's good to be here, and uh, yeah, I apologize for sounding like Janeway today. We'll take it. Just say do it for us. Do it. Do it. There's coffee in that nebula. <laughs> That's the one I was looking for. Right back. <laughs> All right, well, let's get this uh, interview going here. So, Al, tell us, when did you first get introduced to Star Citizen? What? 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 Lennon, Lennon. Oh, my God. What? Lennon. Wait, uh, the, I'm sorry, he's sacked. Lennon, you're so what's sacked. What's Star Citizen? Oh, I'm, I apologize profusely. There, we've got this British intern that just, just uh, messes with stuff all the time. He's always messing with our show notes. Wait, you're so wait, sacked, what's, Lennon. What's, what is the Star Citizen about? Tell it's, me. It's not important. It's not important. It's this other game that important. some people play. No, it's this other game some other people play sometime and do shows about. Do, do, yeah. th- think nothing Isn't of it. Think good? nothing of it. I, it's still, who knows yet? Really, the jury's still out. They're still building it. Who knows? Is it in but, space? but there's, it is. There's a show so, about it that's pretty good. Is it like but, a, is it kind of is it is it like a ripoff of Star Trek Online? There are uh, elements that are what we're going to call homages, which everyone knows is French for ripoff. So I mean, okay. you know, there's there's stuff there's stuff there there's stuff there. <laughs> I see. I, I see. I, I think I heard about it. It's, it's it's one of those elite dangerous clones, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 shots fired! <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. We're actually well. Let's actually get back onto the interview here, the actual interview. So let, now let's pretend. Let's just say, for example, for instance, that I haven't logged into Star Trek Online for oh approximately a year now. Um, what's new over there? If you haven't, you're probably a terrible person. Probably I am, and I'll and, and probably I'd admit to that uh, on a stack of Bibles in a court of law. But but let's pretend that that's what's going on. And what's new, Al? Tell me what I've missed in a year. You know, about about. Well, a lot a lot of story certainly has happened. I mean, we uh, probably around then we were really getting to the full swing of our main storyline. We started bringing in a lot of celebrity voice actors, including Michael Dorn who plays Worf. And we've got Tuvok in the game, and uh, most of the Voyager cast members have come to the game. So we've had a uh, storyline where the players find a Dyson sphere and uh, through an Iconian gateway, and that unleashes a war, the Undine War, which is Species 8472 from Voyager. So uh, we've had a, a regular cadence of really spectacular featured episodes featuring each one generally you know, featuring one of the main cast members from Star Trek, you know, Tim Rust, Denise Crosby, Michael Dorn, Garrett Wong, Robert Picardo. And uh, so we've had um, 
number of those stories. We've uh, revamped entirely the uh, crafting system in the game. So there's a whole new crafting system. Seven main schools and two uh, sub-schools. It's not really important to get into. The other schools are kind of like universal. You don't need to level those up. We, of course, launched the big news is last year we launched uh, Delta Rising in October, which was our second expansion with Delta Rising. That's where we released the level cap to level 60, increased a tier to level of ship, ships to tier 6. We increased the mark of gear to mark 14, which was a huge increase in the performance and uh, we added the Delta Quadrant so we added the Voyager cast members you know about half the crew half the cast members so since then we've completely revamped the bridge officer training system which I'm really happy with how that turned out uh-huh. so it's much easier to train bridge officers we've got new specializations there's lots and lots of end game lots of things to continue to gain more specializations for your captain and unlock specializations for your bridge officers so a bridge officer can specialize in intelligence or command and now coming soon pilot although we've had a pilot secondary specialization now for captains now we'll have a pilot specialization for bridge officers as well so you can have a tactical pilot officer or an engineering pilot or you can have a science intel officer or tactical command officer so these secondary specializations right it's ways for us to get in some of the other things other professions and other specializations of star trek without having to make an entire new class because maybe there's not enough there to be an entire class you know the basics of red gold and and blue shirts you know science tactical and and engineering is the foundation of star trek bridge officers it's always been like that but then there's always little specializations so now we can add things like pilots and maybe we'll add like communications officers and maybe we'll add we have intelligence officers now in command specialization all the bridge officers can take command school so you want command specializations so we'll add other things maybe we'll have counselor or warp core theorist or for a second i thought you were going to say accountant Accountant, sure, but, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very scalable system for us to be able to add new specializations and so add more things for players to achieve and more ways to customize their bridge officers and their captain. Well, great. Then we had our five-year anniversary at the end of January, beginning of February. That featured a fantastic featured episode called Dust to Dust, which featured Garrett Wong, which is continuation of Ashes to Ashes from Voyager which was an episode that featured Kim Rhodes, and we had Kim Rhodes in our game as well. Kim Rhodes, is a, she was the guest star on the Ashes to Ashes episode in Voyager. She also, he's also a regular on Supernatural. She plays, oh, I forgot her character's name now, but she was Sheriff, Sheriff Jody Mills. She plays on Supernatural. And so uh, she was really fun to work with. And so uh, she plays the Kabali, and the Kabali, who is uh, a race of people that reproduce by... By using the deads of other species and they genetically manipulate them. So we had that feature episode, um, which continues that story. And now we're getting ready, gearing up for season 10. We've got a new featured episode featuring Denise Crosby that came out yesterday or Thursday. And uh, we've got a featured event. We will release our featured episodes now. And it'll eventually become like a level 60 episode. But while it's, while it's in circulation now for the featured event, anyone level 10 or higher can play. And then if we do a release for featured episode, we want everyone can play. And then we kind of put it into the... Uh, into the arc. Yeah, into yeah. the arc. But for the next three weeks, what we've got is every week, there's a new different reward. It's a different item you can earn. So if you play today, you can get a free super upgrade kit and you use your upgrade kits to upgrade your gear from, let's say, Mark 12 to Mark 14. Um, it won't take it to 14, but it'll increase the rank of your gear. I can't remember what the reward is this week, but you get one of the pieces of the Romulan ground set. It's a new ground set. It's a Romulan gear. There's a kit, there's a shield, and there's an armor. And so you can get one of those pieces. So you get one of them this week. Next week, you can get another upgrade kit, 
and then you can get the second piece of the gear, and then on the third week you can get a third upgrade kit and the third piece of the gear. The upgrade kits are only available during the first, second, and third week. You can only earn three of them, and it's only one per account. They're a really good upgrade kit. They don't cost any dilithium to upgrade your gear. They have a lot of tech points, so they can really upgrade your gear really far. You can only get those during this three-week playable event. You can only get one every week, and then it's gone. The items themselves, however, will always be available. You can get earn one today. You can earn one next week and one on the third week. But if you start next week, you can choose between one or two, and then you can just replay it again and get the second one. If you don't start for four weeks, you can just play the episode three times in a row and get all three pieces, but the upgrade kits will be gone. So it's kind of how we're introducing featured episodes now so that way everyone can come and play during its initial release. You get something unique they can only get during then, and, and then every week we add another piece of gear to that. Okay, well, talking about events out, the day after this show airs, the Delta Recruitment event is going live, which I believe runs until May the 21st. Is that correct? I think that's right. Those dates are correct. Talk about the Delta Recruitment event, Al. What's on the board? What's the big plans? So Delta Recruit is something new that we're trying. It's on April 2nd to May 21st is Delta Recruit. And what that means is you'll be able to log in and any character you make, whether you're a new player or you're an existing player, you can make a new character and this character will be a Delta Recruit. And we've modified a lot of the game to be a little bit special for Delta Recruits. You're going to get the same tutorial, but you're going to get a slightly different starting experience. You're going to get a few, a few unique cutscenes and a unique backstory about being a Delta Recruit. As a Delta Recruit, you're going to earn special gear. There's going to be, you'll have a special trait. Um, one of the traits that you'll get, for instance, is that you and everyone on your team, whenever you kill something, you'll... You know, whether on the ground or in space, you'll earn a little dilithium. Oh, nice. There's rewards along the way. You know, you'll earn some marks and some more dilithium and some items. So there's a whole bunch of rewards that you're going to get throughout the entire game. But what's important, too, is that we didn't want to just isolate players who, you know, invested a lot of time, for instance, in their, in their recent character who recently got to 60. You will also be able to unlock rewards for the account. So when you reach certain goals... Everybody on the account gets some dilithium. Everyone on the account gets some marks. Everyone on the account gets this reward. So you're unlocking rewards for your entire account as well as your main character. The Delta Recruit will earn some rewards that are unique to him or her, but also a lot of rewards will be just basically account unlocked. A lot of these rewards are simply awarded for achieving certain goals. So you'll have a special UI that will track different achievements. Like Some of them are basically there to guide new players onto accomplishing certain things like complete the story arc or start invest in the duty officer system or join a fleet or do these sort of things. And as you get those things, you get certain achievements and then you'll get a reward for that. So there's a special UI that will track all that. Some of the rewards you'll get also, like if you join a fleet, you get what we call them, um, what are we calling them right now? We used to call them the lithium coupons. So you'll earn dilithium, like a lot of dilithium, but it's only spendable on the fleet. Ah. So you can't just spend anywhere else. It's so that way, everybody wants to have a Dilithium recruit. They want to recruit them into their fleet. Because I want you as a Delta recruit because you can bring, like, whatever, how many thousands of Dilithium into my fleet. It's the only place you can spend it. So we're trying to make people want to play with Delta recruits. Also, that's the reason why they have that trait where you earn Dilithium while playing. Everyone on the team earns it so that way everyone tries to join up with the, De- with the Delta recruits. Trying to make this community friendly so all the new players that are going to come in and check out the game, everyone is going to love them, right? That's the theory. This is something we talked about a long time ago, uh, you and I, uh, having some sort of subset of dilithium that was spendable only on fleet projects. 
you know, because it was yeah, a, it, it's like it, dilithium. Yeah, yeah exactly. Jets. Yeah, and it, it's something that well, you know, everyone has all these competing demands for dilithium, and the fleet was just a big dilithium sink. This is an answer to that dilithium sink. You know, you can keep making more Delta recruits, and you can keep bringing that dilithium over to the fleet. There's a special story that goes along with it. We've sprinkled throughout a lot of the episodes. I don't know how many, a lot, like 50 or so or more episodes, little story elements that will be clickies and things that only the Delta recruit can do in existing missions. Like you'll go to Azure Neb, you know, to uh, the first episode. Uh, um, oh, Stranded in Space. Stranded in Space. There'll be a special thing there that only Delta recruits can do, and that'll unlock some more of the story and unlock some more achievements that will help you earn some more rewards. So we sprinkled stuff out throughout the game for new players to experience. So it's kind of analogous to that where you guys went back in and put in specialties for the command people and for the engineering for the science people. Only if you're a Delta recruit will you be able to walk up to this console or this object and interact with it. Okay, okay, cool. Right, exactly. Exactly the same thing, but there'll be a little bit more story associated with it. You'll get a special contact that will uh, help guide you and tell you what you're doing and why you're special. And the whole thing kind of ties into our season 10 and 11. So we're kind of building a story associated with all of this. So it's not an isolated sort of thing. We're trying to, you know, find a way to invite new players to come to the game. You know, great way, great time to join Star Trek Online right now because a lot of people, are gonna, new players are going to play. A lot of old players, existing players will have incentives to play because they're going to get a lot of rewards for their fleets, for their alt characters. If you haven't played another faction, this is the perfect time to join the other faction. Leveling up is fairly quick, and you're going to get a lot of really good rewards, so you're going to be fairly well-equipped through this process. What if I filled up my character slots? What if I've maxed out my character slots? Right, we give you a free character slot. So you get one free character slot with Delta Recruit, so you don't have to worry about that. Whoa! And I understand that you can take an existing character and also make them a recruit? No, you can't take an existing character and make them a recruit, but you will get a free slot and you have to make a new character. But it can be any faction. So this exists in all three factions, the Romulan, Klingon, or a Federation character. Oh, I was just going to ask if there's a limit to the number of Delta recruits you can make. I could make one of each, couldn't I? No, there's no limit. Absolutely no limit number of Delta recruits you can make. Um, some of the rewards are count-bound, so like sometimes you can only get, there's a few rewards that you can only get one of ever, but that's very few of those, and there's good reasons for that. So there's no limit. We want you to make as many as you'd like. There's no worries there. Now, in addition to the what's special for Delta recruits, We've also tied in something brand new that we've never done before, and we have server-wide goals. So every week for six weeks, I believe, six or seven weeks, the Delta recruits will have this special objective. And those objectives may be like, the first one, I believe, is play every as many episodes in the main story arc first time, as many unique episodes as you can possibly play. And we count all those. And if enough people do enough of those, then we unlock a server-wide event. And there's three tiered. And so I think the first one is an XP bonus. So if a lot of people come in and play all the episodes, as many episodes as they can, we'll unlock for one week a 1.5 XP bonus. If they meet the next tier, it'll be a 2 XP bonus. And if they get the next tier after that, it's a 2.5 XP bonus. There'll be a little UI that everyone can see. Everyone can see everyone's progress. So you can see how close they are to getting to triggering that event. And then that event will run for that whole week. We'll get, you know, double XP or whatever, how much tier that they've made. And then a new objective will come up. And the objective will be whatever. It will be kill so many things or, or collect as much dilithium or do whatever those different. There's, there's a whole bunch of different objectives. This is the objective this week. And it's kind of measured for what we think people 
will be at at that week. Like at the first week, most people are going to be playing their main episodes, and so that's what everyone's going to be focusing on. And then after that, people will later be more interested in marks, more interested in dilithium, more interested in whatever. And so it's kind of tied into that. As people reach those goals, then we'll lock a server-wide event for everybody, not just Delta recruits. But only Delta recruits can affect the event. It's in everyone's best sisters to try to help Delta recruits to keep earning that stuff. So because everyone gets the bonus. The long-awaited one sector to rule them all is a reality now. What what does this do for gameplay in STO? And can you guys take advantage of the new environment to expand your bag of tricks? The main thing that it's going to be is going to be largely quality of life features for players. And I'm, I'm going to willing to bet that after like a few weeks of playing the new sector revamp, it's going to be like one of those things that just feels natural and people are going to forget how it was, you know, just a few weeks ago. It's just going to, it's just a really huge quality of life feature. So we've broken down the sectors into three maps. Now we got Alpha, Beta, and, and Delta Quadrant, which made the most sense to do it that way. The Beta Quadrant is the largest one. So it's a big square one, and we had to move some of the planets around a little bit. We added some new planets, some new systems, and so now you can more easily just plot a course to wherever it is you're going, and you don't have to, you know, hop across sectors to get things and then keep throwing, you know, you can't, oh, where I gotta go? I gotta go to, uh, you know, Taldewa, but I'm all the way at Seoul. Well, I gotta go through three map transfers. I can't plot a course to Taldewa. I have to first plot a course to this door and this door. Now you just plot a course right to Taldewa. You will still have to do that if you're crossing quadrants, but that would be the only place you'd need to do that. Things like slipstream drive is gonna be far more valuable now because you'll get the full use of your slipstream as opposed to having cut short because you reach a door. Yeah, it doesn't cut off at the end. Yeah, you still got 20 seconds left to burn, and it's like you're just you're just ramming into the door for 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So there's gonna be a lot more value there. The uh, transwarps, and we're still doing a lot of work with transwarps. So if you're still playing on Tribble, it's still some things broken. But one of the nice things about transwarps now, like if you got a mission, it says, okay, you got to go to Taldewa to do this mission. Before you used to be able to hit the button and transwarp there, and says, okay, it's gonna cost you 50,000 energy credits or something. Well, now it's different. You can now you can plot a course. You can either choose to transwarp, or you can just go directly there. You don't just warp there. But as you're warping, you'll see the transwarp is still an option. And the closer you get, the cheaper it gets. So it's all distance based now. So you can watch kind of like watch the energy credit cost come down as you get closer and closer to the destination. Decide whether or not you want to use it at what point, how much you want to spend. So that's kind of a nice little handy little feature. And so if your buddies say, I'm sick of waiting for you, hurry up, you can just hit, okay, fine, and then spend 20,000 energy credits to jump there. So this might be an old question, so sorry if it's no longer relevant, but once upon a time when all the sector walls were still intact, if you were, say, a Federation character and you wanted to go into the Klingon sector, you used to have to have diplomatic immunity in order to pass through the walls. How has that been dealt with? It hasn't been dealt with. As a matter of fact, it's something that we are having a meeting with next week to figure out what we're going to do with diplomatic immunity. That one's been a problem in the past. We've had to make some changes with that before, but it's probably going to be more related to uh, what duty officer assignments you're going to have access to. Right. Uh, as far as, like, if you have diplomatic immunity, then you can access the duty officer assignments in that area. Because duty officer assignments are still based on general areas where they used to be. They're just kind of more volume-based. So if you go to this area, then you can access the duty officer assignments in this region or in this region. But if you don't have diplomatic immunity, then you wouldn't have access to those duty officer assignments. But now, yes, you can fly right into Klingon space. Klingon can fly right into Federation space, and there's no problem. When you guys introduced the maps on the Dyson Sphere, they were just gigantic, huge areas. And then if you flew to certain places, certain missions would become available. And if you flew yeah. to other places, there were other missions that became available. Is that kind of the underlying sector map now? I guess so. I mean, it's, it's a giant, giant map. And although there's no missions associated within the sector right now, we did talk about it. We just didn't have the time to do that. We talked about adding 
little found emissions and things along the way, which is just something we still want to do. Like, it's just like in the Dyson Sphere, it's like, oh, there's a disabled ship here, or there's this kind of thing here. We even talked about for a long time about whether or not we wanted to add combat in sector space, but trust me, we worked on it, worked on it, worked on it, and tried so many different things, and we decided, no, it's probably best not to do that. Uh, other than right now, then the duty officer assignments, there aren't anything else that are volume based like that or found like that. So right now, this is largely a, it's a huge quality of life and is generally a social improvement. Everybody is all on the same map together. Speaking of social, that's actually a very good point that you just brought up there. Again, I know when this was, I think it was like way back in season three, when the astrometrics view was altered to what we currently have effectively, it was brought up that one of the points why there couldn't be a sector merge was because there was a limit of, I'm just making this number up now, but let's just say 75 players per map. Is that still a limitation that you guys have? And is space going to feel empty? There's a limitation, but it's not 75. I couldn't tell you exactly. I'm sorry. I don't know the, what the exact limit is. But we have, you know, throughout the years, spent a lot of time improving performance. The engineers have been improving a lot of performance to be able to increase the count. And that's actually one of the reasons why we didn't add combat to sector space is because... That number one town had gone right down the toilet. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So not only is it just adding the bad guys themselves, adding more entities, but having to enable all those powers and all that data... You don't have to load combat data. Could you still have the uh, deep space encounters, like in the old days, those little red thunderstorms? Yeah, they're still there. And those just bring you to a separate map, though, right? It's a door. So I couldn't tell you exactly what the population is, but it's still pretty high. And we mess with, you know, how big of a map can we make? And what is the population of people that we can get in there? Whether or not it felt good. And then we did a test. We got everyone in the company and loaded in to see what it felt like. And it felt really great. We had to do a lot of things, like where we changed the scale of the planets and the solar system so the stars are much bigger. Right, and the planets are much bigger, and you fly actually up to the planet, not to the star, to enter the door, to beam down. You go up to the planet itself. Nice. Oh, nice. So the whole scale has just been increased. The sector space astrometrics view has been updated. We got rid of a lot of those kind of like meaningless kind of paths that were in there, and all the grids are now one light year, so they're all kind of meaningful now, and just generally has just been artified just a lot better now. So it just generally looks a lot better and a lot cleaner. So a lot of work went into this. Nick DeGood, who's our you know, environment artist, he's got the art involved in all this. Spent a lot of time trying to be both IP accurate and real life accurate as possible. It's not accurate accurate. Space is huge. But, you know, we're some planets that, you know, this doesn't really make sense to be here and this really is supposed to be over here. And so we moved some things around and some of the things were where they were because of the sector blocks and says we kind of need to get this in this block for the story reason or something or because, you know, they're a level one player and we don't want to have to take you out of the sector block if you're in the first ten levels. So we put everything in one sector block. And now we're able to move things out. That entire section, the whole Borg section, that little sector block that where the Borg stuff is, that whole section is gone. And all that content now takes place in galactic northeast like on the other side of the romulan territory closer to delta quadrant right so all that stuff has just been moved up there right same thing with the defera stuff defera got completely merged into with alpha quadrant with cardassian and bajoran space we also added planets that were never in the game before like franganar and betazoid that's all in the alpha quadrant uh, so all that all those planets are now all in there in between the space were like cardassia and the breen and the defera space was so that's all now encompassed in there and plus that's something else that we did recently which was the foundry top three i'm assuming you all remember and familiar with the foundry which is a way that players can make their own content 
Some of us are intimately familiar, yes. <laughs> All right, so excellent. Well, the foundry, before players can... That's right, Tony, I remember you made a lot of stuff. So the foundry used to, in order to place somebody's content, you go to a foundry UI, and you can then search and use the search tool and look for people's ratings and, and decide when that, and then you could search, oh, I want this category, I want something fun, or I want something talky or combat focus or ground or space or whatever, and find their mission and play it. Now, that UI still exists, but in addition to that, we now have the Foundry Top 3. Every planet in the game that is a Foundry Door planet, but when you fly up to it, there'll be the missions, our missions, Cryptic's missions at the top, and underneath will say Foundry missions. And we'll take the top-rated missions for that door and randomly pick three in every time period, I don't know, every hour or something, I don't know what the time period is. We rotate that out. So you can fly up to any door and you see there's three Foundry missions right here. And so now when we add in new doors like Frangenar and Betazoid and things are there, those will also be foundry doors and players can go and make maps there. There's a few doors out there where there's only like two foundry missions have been done on them. And so those are the only two missions that are only ever playable there until people make more missions there. So now is the time to make foundry missions and hook them up to doors that have never been used before. There you go. So you'll be at the top. Someone just flies right up to it and they'll just, okay, those are the top three missions to play. You can play those missions. So that's just a real convenience factor. It makes it really easy for players who are just kind of patrolling around and exploring. It's kind of a first step of exploration for us and see, oh, there's some missions here and you can just play it. You don't have to look through it through the UI. It makes it a little more accessible and user-friendly for everybody. So that's really been a big success. Really happy with that. With sector space revamp, it just makes it even better. Well, Al, for an LTS that's been AFK and BFE, WTF am I supposed to do with all my MK12 POS gear? OMG, BBQ, UK, thanks, bye. <laughs> well, you're supposed to uh, upgrade that, use the upgrade kit, so it's no longer POS. Oh. So you can upgrade all your Mark 12 gear to Mark 13 and Mark 14. Am I totally screwed until I do that, Al? Am I Am I going to be... Absolutely not. Okay, I'm not handicapped. I'm, I'm not going to get yelled at in chat. I can't speak about that. You're going you're to get yelled at in chat no matter what. <laughs> okay. As you play Delta Rising, if you play levels 50 to 60 you will earn some Mark 13 gear along the way. So there's Mark 13 gear in Delta Rising, little bits and pieces. You'll also earn upgrade kits along the way, so that way you can upgrade existing gear that you may prefer. We've had a number of events that gave away free upgrade kits, such as during the anniversary event, there was a Mega Particle minigame. You go and collect Mega Particles allowed you to craft super upgrade kits. The Delta pack that came with Delta Rising, which came with all the ships, had some special upgrade kits in there as well. So we keep doing events and promotions to give away really good upgrade kits, but you can otherwise earn upgrade kits. Some of them will drop in the game, but the main way of making upgrade kits is through crafting. You can immediately make small upgrade kits, but they're generally inefficient. But you get to level 15 in the school, you can make the superior upgrade kits, and then you apply those to your gear, and you can make them Mark 13 or Mark 14, uh, eventually Mark 14 gear. To play the game at basic difficulty, play all the way to level 50, this is from 50 to 60, even participate in the queue, you shouldn't need anything more than Mark 12 gear and a standard ship. If you want to start, it should start feeling a little challenging, and that's kind of on purpose, but you are earning some Mark 13 gear along the way, so that's always going to help. And if you want to start playing advanced queues and elite queues, then yeah, you're definitely going to need like tier 6 ships and Mark 13 or 14 gear. I don't have any Mark 14 gear myself yet. I think I have one or two pieces of Mark 14 gear, and I got a bunch of Mark 13, but I still rock in a lot of Mark 12, and I'm doing just fine. So I play mostly basic and some advanced cues. You're going to be fine. There are things for people to continue to earn and continue to kind of 
you know, invest in to get better. There's always, so it's not like, oh, I'm done. I got 12, I'm done. No, you can keep going and make it better. At the same time, we want advanced and elite cues, which give better rewards to be something. Well, I've invested in something. What I've got a new toy. I need a sandbox to play in. Exactly. So we want there to be a reason for those people who have invested to play. You can just do everything with basic gear. There's no reason to invest in all that gear. So there are higher challenges for those people. But the game is always, Star Trek Online has always been, you know, as a free-to-play game, it's about accessibility, that you can play everything without spending a dime. That continues to be our philosophy. So you can play all the story content and get all the way up to level 60 and play all the basic cues as a free player. And hopefully you'll enjoy the game enough by that point that you will invest a little bit. But everything that you invest is to enhance your experience. We kind of like to look at it like movies. You can go see a movie at a matinee for whatever. I don't know what a matinee costs. Let's just pretend it's $5 and watch a movie at, you know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Or you can watch it in the evening and pay the evening price whenever $10 to watch a movie. But if you want, you can watch it in 3D, pay another $5 for that. Or if you want, you can watch an IMAX 3D and pay another $5 for that. If you're crazy, you can watch it in that stupid high-definition, high-frame-rate one, which they ruined The Hobbit with. (laughs) (laughs) Another $5 Uh for. But all in all, every time you watch the movie, you're getting the same experience, but you're just enhancing the experience with other features. But you're still getting the same experience. That's what happened. That's how we try to look at it in Star Trek Online. You're always going to get the same content, but you're going to get a different experience. And I want that really awesome Intel ship or that really awesome command ship has these abilities and I really want to be you know very powerful and get access to these other more advanced content and better rewards and level up faster yeah then you can invest but you don't have to there's no content gates there's no paywall gates in Star Trek online that's always been our goal so no Tony you're not going to be screwed with your mark 12 gear and I don't think you'll be stuck at mark 12 gear for very long because you'll be able to earn mark 13 gear and upgrades very easily plus as I said you play the featured episode this week earn three great upgrade kits just over the next three weeks so i hope everyone plays every week because like i said those upgrade kits go away every week you can only earn three ever just for the next three weeks but we'll keep doing that we'll do that again in the future with the next featured episode we'll offer the same um assuming that it's successful you know we always adjust if things aren't working right but our plan is that that's the scheme for featured episode releases going forward and we've got a lot of featured episodes planned over the next year Excellent, excellent. One thing that I was saying earlier is that I've recently returned to Star Trek Online after approximately a year's long absence, and one of the first things that I was greeted with was, like we were saying, a ton of new systems, including boss and starship traits. With the release of the Delta recruitment event that's coming up, if once you've completed the story arc, you're able to earn a unique starship trait, aren't you, which I believe is called Temporal Insight? Are you able to tell us more about that? What I can tell you is that when you unlock the trait, it is an account unlock trait. Yes. So everybody gets it, right? So another reason why Starship traits, you if everyone's not familiar, you can, when you get a tier six ship, there's a thing called Starship Mastery, which is basically leveling up process for your ship. So as you get your ship, as you defeat other starships in space, so it doesn't happen with ground combat or mission completes, it's just on kills, your ship gets XP and levels up and unlocks passive abilities. There's four levels of that. And that makes it so your ship keeps getting better and better. And that happens on Tier 6 and Tier 5 U-ships. But on Tier 6 ships, the fifth one is a starship trait. Once you get that fifth one, that's a trait that you unlock. And it's a trait, like other traits, and you have four trait slots. Those traits unlock for your character, so it's not locked to the ship. The first four you earn automatically slot, but then if you can have more of them, then you can kind of choose the four that you want to have active at any given time. And you get one from every Tier 6 ship. 
You can also get a trait from every specialization you complete. Every specialization has two tiers. There's 30 points to spend in a specialization. Once you get 15, you unlock one trait. Once you get to 30, you get the superior version of the trait. The old one goes away and just gets replaced. And so you can get a trait from every specialization. There's a couple ways I can't recall right now. You can also earn some traits or at least they're coming up. But the newest one is from Delta Recruit. And so once you've achieved the main goal, the final goal of being a Delta Recruit, you earn this other starter trait for all characters on your account. And everybody gets this trait. For the life of me, I'm sorry, I don't remember what it does. With Season 10 coming soon, what can you tell us about the new hotness? The new hotness is of Season 10? Yeah. Tease us, Al. Tease us. Well, Season 10 will be coming soon, and we've got a lot of it already in the bag. There will be more featured episodes and some new celebrities, people who haven't been, we haven't seen before, will be joining us. We have three, actually. Two of them are signed, and one of them should be hopefully signed next week. So uh, there's obviously the sector revamp. Obviously, there's the new pilot specialization that's coming out with season 10. Lots of starships. There's always lots of starships planned. I don't know if there's much more I want to say about that. Really what this is, is, you know, season 10 is, you know, the featured episode today that we're playing with Denise Crosby is a prequel to season 10. And we will be starting the Iconian War, which we've been building towards for the last five years. I just want to say as a ex-player, I've not actually been as excited about a season release for Star Trek Online as I am about season 10 since Legacy of Romulus. So just want to say awesome job. Oh, really? Because of the Iconians or anything specific? It's a combination of factors. So yeah, it's the Iconians, which, you know, there was the whole, in Legacy of Romulus, you had the scene where Sela basically gets kidnapped and all that sort of thing. And then it's all been building up all the way through. And so yeah, it's reaching the crescendo of it. And that's really good. Have you played all the episodes from Delta Rising that continues the story of Sela? I'm still working my way through. Okay. In Delta Rising, we continue that story, and that's a really important part. So you're going to have to get through a lot of that story. You want to go on to get through a lot of that story before you jump into Season 10. I highly recommend it. On Uh, that note, on that note, one of the speed bumps, the bumps in the road that I had, in my experience, is that you could not play the entire story arc straight through from 50 to 60. On the Delta Recruit side, is that sort of leveling between 50 and 60, is that compressed at all, or is there still going to be some of those gaps? There's not necessarily compressed... But there's so much content in the game, Tony. If you create a new character, you'll get to 60 and still have missions to play. Before Delta Rising, you played level 50, you barely are in the Romulan arc. This is also going to give people, Delta Recruit's going to give people an opportunity to see, maybe haven't even seen some of the updates we've done to old missions. So we've updated the entire, obviously the Federation tutorial, Klingon tutorial, all revamped. All the, uh, you know, the... The Klingon arc, the first arc for the Federation, was completely redone. We've done entirely the Romulan arc. We've redone entirely the Borg arc. There's so much content that you're not going to have any gaps going from 1 to 60. There's not going to be any gaps from 50 to 60. And if you're playing duty officers, the gapage is so minimal. Um, I mean, even now, I can basically level a specialization point every two days of logging in with duty officers if you're clever enough. So you can get a lot of points just from duty officers. So new players are not going to experience that. And even as an existing player, there was only so much content that we could make, and I would have loved to have made however many, 30 hours of story content. But if you're playing from 50 to 60, like when Delta Rising first came out, you could get to like level 53, and then all of a sudden you couldn't get any more missions. But if you just do some patrols and now queues, and now patrols and queues give queues especially give a lot more XP, and the ground adventure zones give a lot more XP 
So your experience now is even faster going through level 50 to 60. Because before, you really, there was about one-third of the XP in queues, and a lot of the ground missions weren't giving any XP rewards, especially on replay. So now you can do all that content and get through to the next level much more quickly before the next story update comes along. It was important for us to do that. If we just let you play the content directly, we probably would have finished by the time you're level like 54, 55, and then people would say, well, now what? And then there would be less of incentive to get to 60. So it all balances out just fine if you're making a brand new character. There's so much content there that you will be well into your 50s before you start unlocking the Delta Rising story arc. So for a guy like me who doesn't even remember the tutorial missions from 2010 when the game released, it, this the Delta Recruit might be a fun time to go back and re-roll something new. Have you not played the, the newer tut- Federation tutorial? I did the tutorial as part of my job as the Priority One guy. I was like, you know, going through it going, hmm, I see this thing has been changed and I find this to be a very interesting new experience. But I never played it, like just to play it, you know. And, and you said also earlier in the interview that the Delta recruits are going to have some spiffy little things even above and beyond the new revamped tutorials for the Federation. So my big thing was the level gap on at the, at the end game. But what you're telling me here is that for a Delta recruit starting on April the 2nd, I can play story missions all the way through, still do all the fun little side things to help those achievement unlock stuff, and I'm going to be mid-50s by the time I even get to Delta, and so there shouldn't be much of a gap at all uh, towards that end game, which that's fantastic. There shouldn't be much of a gap at all. And as you're playing queues, you're going to be earning a lot of XPs just from the queues now, as well as Dilithium, right? We added Dilithium to patrols and Dilithium to improve Dilithium on queues and improve, greatly improve the XP on queues. And we even added Dilithium Lots good to missions as well. So we'll be earning a mission on, just on just on missions, we'll be earning Dilithium on the way up and on mission replay. All right. So, yeah, we tried to do a lot of rewards improvement. And there still have some other rewards improvements. Um, as a matter of fact, we just released a dev blog for uh, a change we're experimenting with on advanced queues. Okay. We made one, we made Azure, uh, Azure Nebula using the new system. I'm not sure when it's live or not, if it's going to triple, I can't remember. Yeah, so there's a change to it, so there's no fail state anymore. You don't have to complete the optional. You can just do the basic. You earn the same rewards as you would as right. a basic queue, but you would earn a lot more if you complete the optional in advanced mode oh okay that's nice and so we're gonna experiment with that see how that goes and if that goes well we'll we'll add that to all the other cues retrofit it to the other yeah okay cool. if it doesn't work we'll make some other changes and we'll experiment with that until we get it right and then we'll apply that to other cues all right well we've talked a lot about the future i'm, I'm gonna take you i'm gonna give you a blast from the past here all right all right hold on to your hats with a little temporal insight here this this is what the treat actually does here uh Quote, the people that are going to be playing STO 10 years from now are going to be fans of Star Trek, and the game needs to focus on that strength. Players are looking for the best, quote, crafting, the best, quote, PvP, the best, quote, raids, are always going to go for the hot new thing. The people who are looking for that best Star Trek are going to play our game so long as we stay true to that. End quote. Now that was former EP Dan Stahl in an interview dated April 5th, 2012, just about exactly three years ago today. Three years into that prediction, how accurate do you think it was, and do you think Cryptic's uh, uh, still guided by that statement? Um, I think that is probably 100% accurate. I fully agree with that statement. We, if anything, more so than when he probably first made that statement, because he probably didn't realize how much we were going to invest in, say, for instance, just in our celebrity talents. The story alone has become so integrated 
with Star Trek stories, especially Delta Rising, and the experience you get. If you guys haven't played the anniversary episode, I mean, some people said it made them cry as far as like watching the experience that Harry Kim went through in the anniversary episode. Garrett Wong did a fantastic job. Well, I've always said you and Kestrel have been taking good care of the IP, so I'm not terribly surprised that you guys had a good story there. And that's all that's ever really mattered to me, right, is about it's just making sure that people get to live in this world of Star Trek, whatever it is that is their Star Trek. We're going to even be... As, lo- as long as it's not Abrams' world of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do not actually have license to J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Um, so that is just not part of I sense deep regret there, Al. I sense that you're really broken up about that. I sense, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, com- no comment. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but the, 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 I love to make fun of J.J. Abrams, you know, Star Trek, you know, but I still enjoy the movies. I'm still looking forward to the movies. It's not my Star Trek, right? It's not what I grew up with. It doesn't really feel like the, uh, at least so far, it doesn't really feel like the ideals of Star Trek that I grew up on. I'm still very grateful for the movies, and I think they really did. I think it bifurcated some of the audience, but I do think it brought in a lot of new, a lot of new fans to the franchise. And I know from some data that it really like increased a lot of Netflix views and CD purchases. And once you know, Star Trek just got bigger lately, right? It just did. And you know, 2016 will be the third movie, along with the 50th anniversary. We've got big things planned for 2016 to kind of coincide with that 50th anniversary. So a lot of that success does does fall on on the JJ verse and the, those movies. They're just different movies to me. I enjoy them. I have fun with them. If I keep trying to pick them apart and trying to make them being Roddenberry Star Trek, I'm going to be disappointed. I agree with that sentiment 100. percent You know, I enjoyed the movies, but it's, you're right. I'm 53 years old. I watched the original episodes when they first originally aired. I feel I should make a correction there. We've already established on Guard Frequency that Jeff is not 53. Jeff is immortal. So we're going to back from the interview. Yeah, if I may though, Al, uh, one of the big complaints that some Priority One listeners have is that we never ask you the hard questions. Okay? So, well... Us here at Guard Frequency, we never shy away from a fight, particularly because we earn in-game currency for PvP. So, we're going to ask you some hard questions. Are you ready, sir? Uh, sure. Let me um, let me bring up my Elite Dangerous character. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. All right. Okay. And I've got, uh, got the boxing gloves on. Now. All right. Here we go. Hard question number one. Batman or Superman? Wow, that's a really good question. Yeah, we told you they were hard. No, well, they're hard because I'm actually a Marvel fan much more so than I ever will be a DC fan. But um, In that case, Batman or Superman, the correct answer is Professor Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean, if you were to ask me what my favorite superhero would be, it would be Spider-Man. But if it was Batman or Superman, I actually like the Superman comics better, but I like the Batman character better. Right. Now, see, that's a we- no, 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 hold it. No, 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 no. That's a weasel answer, Al. I'm going to nail you down. This <laughs> that's a weasel answer. answer. Then I'm... Then I- then, then, um, then, um, one or the other. Hard question. Then I'll, then I'll go with Batman. Okay. All right. So we get, we've got the answer from him, and that's where he's going with it, ladies and gentlemen. We expect uh, responses and questions and criticisms. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. Your turn. Okay. So this one will really um, trouble you. To Paul or Spock? Oh no, there's no trouble. It's all about Spock. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. All right. Okay. Decisive. decisive, decisive. I like it. Okay. Jellico okay. or Styles? Jellico or Styles. I don't even know what you're talking about. 
Uh, Jellico was the captain that took over from Picard on uh, TNG. Uh, was it Best of Both Worlds, I believe? No, no it episode? was a Chain of Command. Oh, okay. chain, of command. chain of Command. And Styles okay. was uh, the one that was pursuing Kirk in Star Trek Three. In the Excelsior. Yes. So who's your favorite jerk captain? Who's the best jerk captain? Oh, that has got to be Jellico. He was a jerk, but he was at least competent. <laughs> <laughs> what? What, you didn't like the scepter? The little scepter that Styles had? That didn't, uh, that didn't do anything for you? No. That's character, almost caricature. Oh, okay, well, all right. Again, again, again. You know, that's we've got his answer, everybody. We ask him the hard questions, and, and there it is. We expect letters. We expect responses. And finally, Al, the hardest question and the most difficult one, of course, they saved for me uh, to give to you. The question is, where's my kinetic impulsor console? There's a kinetic impulsor critter in the game. No. No, no. You have to play the damn game. No, there isn't. You. It's a boss tank. A boss tank named kinetic impulsor. Are you kidding me? Yep. Wait, wait, it's, it's yeah, on the ground? Yeah. I hate the ground stuff. Oh, not even a space thing. Oh, I quit. I quit. All right, I, well, I'll just oh. take it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can keep it in there. You can keep it in there. That's fine. Uh, all right, well, Al, it's been a genuine pleasure talking to you again. And uh, we thank you so much for taking time out of your day on a Saturday when you're sick. Like, you get double bonus stars for this. Excellent. A, a triple XP and a Delithium bonus, and we're going to throw in a superior upgrade kit uh, on top of that. I appreciate that. I must say that I'm going to uh, revamp and and spend a few hours back in STO again. So. No, you totally should. This is the time you got to you got to. If you haven't played Delta Rising, you got to play Delta Rising. If you haven't played in a long time, if you want haven't played another character, Delta Recruit's got a great time to make a new character. Story wise, this is like one of our best story years. We have so many regular stories planned coming out. We've got our arc planned through most of season eleven and all the way into twenty sixteen. So. People asking, what are you going to do with the Iconians? After the Iconians, what's next? Don't worry about it, guys. We've got all kinds of stuff planned for after the Iconians. It's not like, oh, you can't build anything anymore after that since you meet the ultimate bad guy. There's always a bigger bad guy. There's always another threat in Star Trek. We've had plenty of time to prepare for that. So this will be a pretty epic story. And the conclusion of which of the Iconian arc, I hope is going to really please everybody because it is meant to be very, very Star Trek. It should be very, very iconically Star Trek of an ending. I, I was going to ask you about a rumor of a possible new Star Trek series that they're putting forth. And, and I mean, if you had any thoughts or opinions on it. I didn't even bother to read the articles because I hear another rumor all the time. So it's like, okay, I'll just, I'll just wait till I hear it. What are the current rumors right now? Yeah, rumor is that the uh, it's going to be Star Trek Federation, and it's supposed to like go forward several hundred years, and like everybody's all smoothed out now, right? The the Klingons aren't actually trying to kill people, but they like like they're warrior mystics now, and the Cardassians are all like poetry and philosophy, because uh, that's how what that's how they really wanted to be before the Obsidian Order was sort of you know in charge. And I get a real Babylon Five vibe from it, and then they can take that nice peaceful order and just like mess with it. Uh, so, and, and there's a lot of like, like Brad Singer, I think, is attached to it. And uh, I think I even saw J. Michael Straczynski from Babylon 5 was like, threw his hat in the ring on it. So, that'd be great. I love Straczynski. He's great. He made my favorite Spider Man arc. So, there's enough big names attached to it that this almost sounds credible. I think the deal with Paramount was three movies and they were done. So, the timing of this is just right, you know, about two years before it winds down. So, I've always suspected that people think when they're going to be another. Star Trek series wouldn't even know the Star Trek series and then I always suspected they would never make a Star Trek series while Paramount has the movie license you can't you can't split you can't split the focus exactly the yep. movies exactly the franchise the TV series and then then you can make some spin-offs movies of that TV show 
probably only towards the end of it. You can't run both at the same time. You can't have different universes and different stories competing. So people just need to be patient. I hope it's on Netflix. That's what I hope. I really hope it's not on CW. You know, with Netflix, you can say, we're going to make a season. We're going to film 13 or 20 hours of, of story, and you have the time and the, and, the, and the ease to make an arc, right? It's like HBO, too. Like, they're, they know they're gonna, you're going to film an entire season, and so it's, the pressure's off to make weekly rating impacts. Well, I just don't want it to be CW because I just don't want it to be teeny bopper, pretty boy, <laughs> girly love dramas, right? <laughs> like, I love, uh, I love watching Arrow and The Flash, but... It's got just the worst angsty rich girl brat problems all the time. It's like this is really distracting from. You mean like the one hundred? Yeah, the same. The one hundred is exactly the same thing. It's so Twilight, and it just it's really irritating. If they do that to Star Trek, it's really going to disappoint me. Did no one learn from Attack of the Clones? Did no one learn from this? Did no one watch this and go, "Oh, I should never ever do that. We should not do that. Let's not have this mixed in with the action and stuff." No one learns. No one learns. It's terrible. I don't have a problem with there being a romantic story involved. I just don't want it to be bad. You know, bratty teenage. You know, nine hundred two one zero drama. Right? It's just going to ruin my Star Trek. We'll ruin it. Far. I'll be. We'll be begging for J.J. Abrams. If that happens, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Can we add more lens flare and less of this teenage drama stuff? Could we swap? Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, you saw that. You saw that in Enterprise, right? Because Enterprise was on CW, and Enterprise they started throwing in, you know, the the decon chambers and like that was yeah, that was stupid. It just was like it's trying to make it a more sexy Star Trek. Oh, they're pitching it like oh, back in the Kirk days, we're gonna have more sexy stuff. So now it just came off as tacky. I will go on the record. I will go from the. I will shout from the treetops. Season four of Enterprise, some of the best Trek ever filmed. Season three and season four of Enterprise is fantastic, but one and two were really terrible. And when CW tried to start off with the decon chamber, it was just it was just eye rolling. Now you know what? I'm a red blooded American man, right? I. Paul was beautiful, right? And she was, it was sexy, but it was also tacky. It's tacky, right? So it just bothered me, and they're just gratuitous. Well, I think I speak for a silent majority when I say I look forward to the day that we see that in Star Trek Online. <laughs> Lennon speaking for you the silent majority. You want decon chambers with nerve tonic? If it's got Kim Rhodes in it, well, I'll probably take anything I can get. That's cool. Excellent. Okay, I'll let her know. <laughs> All right, well, Al, thank you for joining us here on Priority One slash Guard Frequency, depending on where you hear this interview. That'll be fantastic. And I hope you get better soon. Uh, go and rest up your voice, drink that tea. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure to be here. I heard Guard Frequency is a pretty good show. And you should check it yeah, out. you should check it out. <laughs> and you should totally check it out. Even, even join our, our organization if you care to play. Could join the, yes, definitely could join the organization. Except I don't think I want to pay $110 for a ship that's going to explode. If I start playing that game, I might start affecting uh, the designs of Star Trek Online. So. Stick with us, kiddo. <laughs> Stick with us, kiddo. We'll, we'll take good care of you. We'll, we'll take yeah. good care of you. Uh, hey, hey, Tony, do you want to hear a joke? Yeah. What do you get when you open hailing frequencies to hailing frequencies? You get a feedback loop. All right, well, either way, I think it's time to let Al disappear and time to let you guys in on the conversation. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? Some say he once punched a man for not finding him a hot meal after 10pm, and that he don't need no stinking contract renewal. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he helped put together this week's feedback. 
So, at this point, we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages, and here's a reminder of what last week's community questions were for episode 214 of Priority One Podcast. What were your thoughts on the new pilot specialization update? Zobaraz writes on PriorityOnePodcast.com, I'm pretty excited about the pilot specialization. It includes tons of cool maneuvers that I can't wait to try out on ships. I was unsure of them at first. They seemed more quality of life stuff than truly performance-enhancing elements. But then the same goes for the extremely popular Tactical Team 1. Very modest buff to damage and shield auto balance. We can do it ourselves, but Tact Team does it slightly better. Same difference with pilot powers, I think. We can do piloting feats ourselves, but we'll do them a lot better with those powers. So, Tony, Lennon, Jeff, when was the last time you fired up Star Trek Online? Months ago. Yeah, it's been a couple months at least. Last night. Oh, so Lennon, you're, you're still actively playing. I wouldn't really say actively playing. I dip my toes in the water every now and then, um, mainly on the Romulan side of the fence because I've got green blood. <laughs> Is that why you're ginger? I didn't know gingers came that way. It's it's part of the whole being Romulan thing. It's having a lack of a soul. That's Copper uh, hair, copper-based yeah, blood. Yeah, all right. Okay, exactly. okay, makes sense now. Makes sense. Have you been playing with the specialization trees, Lennon? A little bit. I'm, I'm still a bit behind the leveling curve. I still haven't hit the maximum cap from when it went up with uh, the Delta Rising expansion, so I haven't really had that many specialization points to be able to pump into things but definitely been keeping on top of the news and yeah i really do like the look of the pilot specialization um again for the same reasons that zobra says it's got a load of cool stuff in it that i I really it's making me want to play and level up my character in order to get those points to be able to try it out tobias ltf posted on priority one podcast.com i think it is awesome that they are expanding the pilot specialization tree and adding more skills and maneuvers in addition to the changes to primary and secondary specializations. I only wish that the trees weren't laid out in such a way that forces me to spend these hard-earned spec points on certain skills I absolutely do not need, or want, to get to the one that I do. Keep the awesome content coming, P1 crew, and job well done on another fantastic episode. Thanks, Tobias. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening. Doc Dress commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com. Great show as usual, all. My comment relates to the continual progression of the new buffs tied to new ship packs. I feel like I'm being forced to buy something I do not want. New ship skins for something I would find very useful in-game. Make my space avatar my space avatar. Don't force me into something I do not like, please. So is he talking about buying a ship with, like, let's say, piloting? It's it's these these bridge officers only come out with pilot ships, and then he, right. he can't. Yeah. Right. He's talking about the hybrid slots. You know, we don't know this yet, but I can almost guarantee that the summer event ship is going to be a pilot ship. I mean, we've gotten a free ship for Intel, Command, and I think we're going to get one for pilot. Just makes sense. You know, for the past ships that were high-priced, what do you think of them going back and retrofitting them with for free with at least one hybrid slot? Like those old ass ensign ships and seats, why don't like just make it a hybrid? Yeah, that's a good idea. Well, they never did this with the Universals, did they? They never went back and retrofitted. Once Universal was a thing way back when, they there was cool to retrofit all the ships then and they never did it then. So, honestly, I can't see them really doing that. But I'm kind of um I know I'm not really a Priority One host, but hey, whatever, I've taken over now. Huzzah. I'm kind of with Doc Drez on this. I'm not too sure if I like the precedent that it sets. Where It started out with the Intel ships, where you had to have an Intel ship in order to use the Intel boss, and then obviously like the command and the pilot. And um, 
again, I'm not too sure that I like the way that this is going, the precedent that it's setting, that if you want to use skills X, you have to have ship Y. By the way, ship Y is going to cost you somewhere in the region of 30 bucks. Well, I think uh, that the ships have always made the money in Star Trek Online and will always continue to make the money in Star Trek Online, but I think that if they're a good MMO, they need to set up their microtransaction structure so that there's a price point that everyone can hit at some point, whether it's a $5 upgrade to one of the Tier 1 ships or the $30 standalone Tier 6 ship, they need to hit those price points in the middle, too. Give people a Tier 2 and a Tier 3 and a Tier 4 and a Tier 5 that you can upgrade with ship modules or something to get those specialized seats. And that'll encourage people to have different ships. It'll encourage people to have different characters with the different ships on it. And and hopefully make those higher level things something that people can get into at the lower level, both price point and level wise. I was going to say I agree. I think just last week I was talking about, you know, it'd be nice if they monetize the mastery traits, right? Just sell that to me so I don't have to worry about buying the ship. Like you said, I think microtransactions are the way to go. But what about just instead also, I think the universal slot should probably fit and allow for these Intel and specialization buffs. Yeah, oh yeah. Definitely. Or change the name because they're not universal anymore. Yeah, I can tell you that's not going to happen. I know. Or restrict the universal, or call it something else. Make it not make the ones that only do the you know science, tactical, engineering. Call that something else, and then introduce new ships or introduce truly universal slots on on some ships. Just call it specialized. Specialized. Thank you, Jeff. There we go. You're welcome. Yeah. We're about solutions here. Specialist. That's what we do. Yeah. That's what we do. We do. We do. We do. We do solutions here on this show, on both shows, really. That's what we do. Well, I obviously I have to I have to hop in once in a while so I can know what you're all talking about because I. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that when they introduce a new fleet holding, that will then again have a pathway where through energy credits people will be able to trade for fleet ship modules and get a hold of like a fleet intel ship or a fleet command ship or something like that. But that is not something we've had since Delta Rising came out. So It's a shame that they they are a little slow to these types of updates. You know, like this is something that I would have liked to have seen. Like they introduce it and it's like this introductory feature and then we then it, it just it gets developed. I almost for something like this and, and in the in the scope of this discussion, this is one of those things that I kinda wish they I, I almost would have waited rather have waited for it for something that would have been more accessible to everybody instead of having to buy the pilot ship in order to have the pilot's traits. I would have liked a feature that would have allowed me to upgrade a ship, an existing ship to have a pilot, or or something. And in response to our community question, asking about what changes did you like from the 1.1 key patch, the con artist writes in and says, As for 1.1, I'd say any update is a step forward, but not without its rough edges. This whole server mess is probably the worst, while getting the Rex system, Gladius, and the new damage system into the game are a great step forward. And Brian Headley says, I view 1.1 as a forward progress. I'm quite content waiting for the final product, but I'm enjoying my time in the sandbox while it lasts before my actions will have consequence. However, others are not so patient. I look forward to cutting their halls apart with my reclaimer in the near future. Ouch. Bloodthirsty. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Yeah, like like we said earlier in the show, it's it's 1.1 is kind of a hot mess right now, but it means that they're pushing the envelope, and that's good. They're finding things that are going to break now before the game gets even more complex later on. So, Elijah, when was the last time you fired up uh, Star Citizen? Um, several weeks ago, um, and that was on a whim. And I talked about this with Ben Lesnick, so you just have to listen to the episode. Yes, I believe that the major feature of that uh, encounter was that Shiv beat up on you mercilessly. 
Well, no, it wasn't a PvP match. It was a PvE, but... That doesn't stop the shiv. Um, I was... That doesn't stop shiv, yeah. Yeah, no, I... It was, like, I was upside down the whole time, and it's space. <laughs> so, how... You can't... There's really no up and down, but I was upside down. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought that I was, was in reverse your, the whole time. <laughs> I thought that was your normal position. You had it wrong, the wrong gear. The parking brake on. Uh-huh. Okay. The trunk was open. <laughs> he broke the laws of physics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll come back come back when they get 1.1 fixed up. We'll get you we'll get you some flying lessons, Elijah. You'll be in good shape. Okay. From Sean Newboy, we hear Bob seems kind of creepy, like a candy in vans kind of creepy. Loved the show, everyone. Oh, he he misspelled Lennon. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sean Newboy listens to you guys too. Yeah, yeah. he's got taste and style. The Sean Newboy, we, we got a bunch he's of cross. Yeah, he's ours. You can't have him. No, I'm saying he's our boy, like a Priority One Network boy, man. He's he's yeah. Oh yeah, he's dedicated to to Priority One, to the network. I have heard that Sean Newboy listens to us more than he listens to you. <gasps> Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't believe you went there, Lennon. You, you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to get people in trouble, Lennon. You, you know better. <laughs> That's why he does it. Zacius at Screwloose53184, he writes, I listened to episode 213 of P1 a few days ago, and it was great. Love the show. Smiley face. Thanks, Screwloose. Well, Cliffy Joel says, I'm going through the old episodes and just reached the dramatic reading of Star Wars by Shakespeare. When can we expect a reading of the whole series? Well, oh, that was classic. Oh, that was yeah. a classic one. We could, I could bring, I could bring the, I could bring it back out. We could do another one. We could, we could certainly do another one. I think we should invite our new friends here to come and join us for that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. we can all oh, pass out the roles. More yeah. roles. Oh, yeah, that's good. I could play a man. No, no, you have to be Princess Leah. <laughs> <laughs> Typecast. Sorry, you're the only girl. Can you do buns? <laughs> Elijah can play Chewbacca. Yes. <laughs> 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 oh, oh Lennon, spot the yes, actor amongst us. Yes, and Lennon, Lennon, new soundbite right there. New soundboard button right there. That was good. That's button oh, four. That's yeah, button, button four. four. Yes, it is. <laughs> Tuvok at Species 8471 writes, In regards to episode 210, just wanted to thank you all for a great show. Got me through a very difficult day. That was actually a PM in-game from Species, so thank you very much, man. We appreciate you listening again every week. Glad we can help. Tim Simmons writes into us and says, During episode 64, Tony mentioned that he also played Elite Dangerous. Does Guard Frequency have a presence there also, Tony? Well, not officially, but yeah, you're, uh, Jeff's there. I'm there. Uh, our executive producer, Elliot Tan's there. Shiv wants That's to be That's why I there. sometimes refer to it as Elliot Tangerous. Elliot Tangerous, yes, he is, that is definitely uh, who he is. Uh, Shiv wants to be there, you know, but he's waiting for his birthday to roll around. What's Elite Dangerous? Elite Dangerous is Star Citizen Light, as another uh, fan of ours wrote in in feedback, which we couldn't read this week because we have too much feedback with the two shows. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's Star Citizen Light. It's, it doesn't have all the social module type stuff or the planet side stuff. It's just you and your spaceship and laser guns and pew pew and trading. But it's a different game, different developer. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. it'll, it'll, still, it'll still set you back $60. It's a it's another reinvention of a classic game. Mm-hmm. Seek at Cathexis Zero. I love your podcast. Keep up the good work. We will. This week our latest Patreons are Sitchin. And this week's winner of Guard Frequency Swag, courtesy of random.org, is Akarok and Foxtrot DK. 
expect the stickers in your mail before or after the FPS module is released. I like that. That's Chris Roberts timing. And a shout out to Stephen Humphrey and Arch, our two new Patreon subscribers, as well as Eric King and Brendan Malone. Thank you so very much for your support. And this week's Scarred Frequency community question, how many vanguards are you going to buy? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. And this week's Priority One podcast community question is, what do you think of the coming changes to the difficulty levels in the Q system for Star Trek Online? Let us know in the comments section for this episode on priorityonepodcast.com forward slash PO215 or in the official forum post for this episode on the Star Trek Online forums. So how was the show? Have we boldly gone where the other hosts have never gone before? Or should none of this have happened before and we should never let it happen again? So So say we all. Each week, both of our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the shows. Please keep them coming. Check out Guard Frequency's forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. And you can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can also subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Reach out to Priority One on facebook.com forward slash Priority One podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at StowPriority1. Or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 65 of Guard Frequency. And episode 215 of Priority One Podcast. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And we'll be back with episode 66 on April the 7th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Admirals, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. With your support, we've already hit our monthly running costs, and we're so very grateful to all of our patrons. Don't forget, even if you can't offer financial support, sharing our show with your friends is another great way to show us that you care. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. And now you can join our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Today is a good day to join. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization Guard Frequency Response at the official RSI website robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 8.30pm central that Saturdays at 2.30am GMT. And if you'd like to catch the live recordings of Priority One Podcast's episode, then you can tune in to PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash live on Thursday nights at around 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We want to thank the teams at Priority One and Guard Frequency. Thanks to Priority One audio engineer Ben Churchill with support from audio assistants Admiral Winters and Frederick Redegard. And Guard Frequency assistant audio engineer Michael Duncan. Thanks to Priority One graphic artist Romulan Ale. And Guard Frequency artist Simon Chalton Edwards. And thanks to Priority One's QA support staffer Midnight Shadow 7. To all our bloggers and their managing editor L. 
to the writer of our prelude dramas, Jake Morgan, to our video editor, Jerry Tillman. To Chris Trone, Priority One Social Media Manager. Thanks to Guard Frequencies Community Manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster. Thanks to the composer of Priority One theme music, Chris Watts. And thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music on Guard Frequency. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. Thanks to Priority One syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And of course, Guard Frequency's partner, The Base. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. And if no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. April Fools, everybody! April Fools! Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. is after it's freed and it warps out so let's rewind (laughs) just arrive there at the right time and it and it helps and it let me see and it (laughs) that they do test the missions they do test the rugs but the rugs (laughs) so who put the butts in there who put Cookie's butts? Cookie's butts? Where? It's a Jace. mystery. All right. Why Let's do you assume I'm again. thinking about your butt? I really want to see Thomas's boner prize. I really want to see Thomas's boner prize. Lennon, you got a question? Um, no, Al moved on to it. Oh, he got it. Okay. Well, yeah. Psychic Al. <laughs> got the tea it. must be working. It, it, it is it's, un, it's unlocking tea. your psychic powers. Okay. Oh, that's what it is. He's drinking tea. I'm British. There's just this innate right. connection between us now. Total. It is. It's, a, it's like a set bonus. <laughs> <It's hot>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think I think you're giving me your cold. Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's a three set. It's bonus. a three set bonus, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you get when you open Hailing Free? Sorry, I just punched the microphone. I'm going to do that again. Speaking of hanging with a priority one, uh, <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> Speaking of hanging with priority one team, reach out to us. Th- uh, reach out. <laughs> I can screw up here just as much as I can screw up ours. Uh, oh, yes, you can. This is Cookie Feedback Sync One. This is Elijah Cookie. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Red cookie. Hey, Elijah, Elijah, do you know what, what? this is? <laughs> oh, man. So we do, we do, we do, we do, we do solutions here on this show, on both shows, really.
what we do. Well, I do I, think obviously I have when to, they, I have to hop in once in a while so I can know what you're all talking about because I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a I lifetime. Su- that... I am a lifetime subscriber. I should... <laughs> Sorry, Jace. No, no, no. It's fine. I do think that. So anyway, I was saying. Yeah, and then Leonard was telling me that. My God. What's so dangerous? It's a it's another reinvention of a classic game. Mm -hmm. Elijah, I'm just going to say I made this mistake in about episode four. I was like, "Who's elite?" And Jeff went, "Oh, you don't know." Oh my God! And then that was it for about forty five minutes. So (laughs) run, run now. He's 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 got it under control. It's hurting him. It's, it's hurting, hurting his feelings. It's hurt. <laughs> I I mean, classic. Well, he's a, he's a youngster. You got to accept. Well, I get it, but I mean, not even knowing who Elite or do you know the trade name Trade Wars? Don't don't Jeff. You're just gonna, <laughs> now you're really you're gonna, going back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeff, you're gonna, you're just gonna hurt yourself, Jeff. It's, it's time to let it go. It's, it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. What's Wing Commander? Oh! <laughs> hey, 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 Elijah. <laughs> yes. Storm out. Drop the mic. I'm out. <laughs> All right, is this Seeky? Cathesis. I think it's just Seek. Seek. At Cathesis. 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 Okay. Seek at Cathesis Zero. I oh. love your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and you thought I had a bad time butchering names. <laughs> this week, our latest Patreons is our Sitchin. <laughs> You're supposed to delete as appropriate. <laughs> what? And a shout out to Stephen Humphrey and Arch, our two new Patreon subscribers. A great big thanks to your for your support. A great thanks. A big thanks. I can't speak. <laughs> a great big thank you for your support. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. You have that little, you have that little Edward James almost growly thing going on, too. That was nice. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Was that Cookie? Yeah, it was Cookie. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. She can get down there in the lower registers and really punch it like that. I can tell. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just just send your note. Thank you, Sean Connolly. Yes, thank you. Send your note to Squawk. And now you can join our Klingon fleet division. Warriors are Priority One. Today is a good day to join. And now the Priority One fleet will be hosting live stream giveaways every Saturday <laughs> at 8... 8- that's so nice. Yeah, he did. Kapla, everyone. <laughs> Today is a good day to join. It was like a motivational speaker. It was. It, it was beautiful. He's like he's like a Klingon in, in my. <laughs> he's, he's my kind of Klingon. He's a happy Klingon. This is a long closing. <laughs>